What's up, everybody? My name is Will. Welcome back to Thoughts That Count. Play my music, man. All right, welcome back. I'm happy you're here. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. This is episode 20. Thank you guys for being a part of this. I very much appreciate you. Today, we're going to talk about becoming world-class by becoming obsessed with what you want to improve at. And the stuff that we're going to talk about in this episode are kind of the keys to what it's going to take to be world-class, be successful in your area. And this is highly applicable to multiple facets, multiple occupations, multiple career paths, whatever. And these principles are centered around the kind of philosophy of not accepting the typical mindset that some people are just overtly talented and that's why they're successful. And instead realizing that this kind of success came from hard work, dedication, and obsession with becoming the best at what they wanted to do. Now, I'm not going to deny the presence of natural talent. I do think that there are people who have a natural affinity for certain activities. But what I don't believe is that talent is what carried them to their profound success. And there's a lot of examples of this, but I think that the number one thing is that they found their obsession and they worked at it. They were intensely focused through whatever motivating factor that it was, whether it be, you know, getting them out of whatever situation they're in in life or wanting more out of life, whatever. That becoming focused and becoming incredibly obsessed with what they were doing was what led to that success. But you get it. Let's dive into the nitty gritty. So if you're thinking is a bit more sequential or chronological, then the first step would be focusing and finding what your obsession is going to be. So hopefully, depending on what age you're at, you picked or are picking a career path that motivates you, inspires you, fulfills you, etc. Some stuff we've talked about in previous episodes. And an area that I've ran into problems in the past was spreading myself too thin, right? I try to do a little bit of everything and I end up doing a lot of nothing. And thinking back and reflecting on this, I thought of a old proverb that I heard one time and it was, if you try to catch two rabbits at the same time, you'll catch none. And I think this is true for a few reasons. Number one being that if you think about it, you're competing with people who are focused on becoming the best at whatever it is you're trying to do as well. Your competition, unfortunately, is focused on just that activity. And if you're trying to do five other things at the same time that they're just doing that one, then you'll find that they obviously are able to improve at a faster rate than you are. They're able to put more time into it. They're able to put more focus into it. And they're not putting focus towards other things. And that's the second reason that it's true is that if you're trying to dedicate your life to multiple things, you're stretched thin. Something is taking your focus away from that specific activity. And the craziest part is you may be more quote unquote naturally talented than the other person that's dedicating their life to whatever it is, but they're putting more time in. I'm sure you guys have all heard the quote, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And this is that real world example of this. <laughs> we are full of quotes today, but you may have heard that it takes 10,000 hours to become a master at something, right? But let's dive a little deeper into that concept because this isn't like a jail sentence where you just put in your time and then you'll be the best at whatever it is, or you will just instantly become a master. You have to fill those 10,000 hours with actual progressive work. Like say the first 1,000 hours, you were really busting your butt, and then the last 9,000 hours, you were just kind of coasting through the motions and staying in your comfort zone. You can't expect to be a master at something if you were just in your comfort zone for 90% of the time. Or say, for example, you don't even love the thing that you're doing. How do you expect to become a master at something that you don't even like to do? I'm sure it's possible, but I bet that's a pretty grueling and 
unfulfilling process. Here's an example for you. So Kobe Bryant, RIP Kobe, used to get up early in the morning, 4 a.m., to go play basketball, and he would spend hours doing it. And in fact, was known for his work ethic, you know, Mamba mentality. So Kobe had hours of basketball practice in already before people had even woken up, right? And that's not even including the practice that he would go to later in the day. He's putting in more hours than everybody else. He's outworking them. But furthermore, he's focused on basketball. You don't hear stories about Kobe Bryant being one of the greatest basketball players and also can play the trumpet really well. That's not saying it's not possible, but also Kobe Bryant was focused on basketball. He didn't spread himself thin. He focused on basketball. And honestly, I think growing up, I won't sugarcoat it. I'll be honest with you guys. I was good at a lot of things growing up. Now, granted, it was high school good and Rogers, Minnesota. So by no means doubt am I meaning that I was world class at anything. But I was pretty good around Rogers at the things that I would try to do. And of course, as kids who are good at stuff usually are, they're praised for what they are good at. Oddly enough, I think this was actually counterproductive for me because it didn't instill in me a preparedness for activities that take time to get good at. I didn't have that obsession because I would, you know, dip my toes in a bunch of things and I would be pretty good at most of the things that I would try. I would then be reinforced positively with my performance and not really have that hunger or drive to continue to improve my skills or go outside of Rogers to find competition that was really, really challenging until it came to basketball. That was the one area where I found that obsession. I found that drive and I found that need to be really good at it. And this is where I got lucky because I found some friends that would push each other to be as good individually as we were together. And let me tell you, that was a tough process physically and mentally because you would look at your friends next to you and be like, well, we got to keep pushing each other to work harder. And we held each other to such a high standard of work that we knew that we couldn't let each other down. Now, of course, inherently there was competition between us. And of course that was tough because we're all friends, but also we want to win and be better. And we know that if we're not playing hard, we're one going to lose and two going to get called out for it. And that really leads us to probably the core principle of this episode. And that's the psychology of the comfort zone. One of the guys that I would do this with is one of my day one best friends, uh, Steph. And it was extremely out of my comfort zone, claiming his ankles and hitting step back jumpers in his face. Do you, do you think I liked doing that? No, no, nobody likes to absolutely embarrass their friend on the court. Okay, no, I'm just, I just put that in there because uh, I know he's going to listen to this episode. And anybody who knows Steph knows he's an incredibly hard worker and very talented. But in all seriousness, all improvement comes outside of a comfort zone, right? I mean, that's just a fact. In order to improve at something, you have to go outside of what is comfortable. And the reason this is true is because if you go outside of your comfort zone, then you expand what your comfort zone actually is. I mean, take any activity that you want to do or improve at, you're going to have to go outside of what's comfortable to become better at it. That's just how it works. Weightlifting. If you don't increase the weight or the reps, you won't continue to get bigger and stronger. If you don't practice harder songs on an instrument, you'll never be able to play songs of that caliber or difficulty. If you don't play against challenging opponents, you won't develop new tactics to defeat that caliber of opponent. If you don't face challenges in business or in your job, you won't innovate the techniques required to expand that business or to increase your value within that company. I mean, I can continue to go on, but I think that you guys get the point that the comfort zone is where you go to be the same. And it's unfortunate that it's called the comfort zone 
because stagnant is not a good place to be. If you're someone who seeks to improve themselves, it's not going to be in the comfort zone. So if you can reprogram the way that your brain thinks about challenges and adversity, then you have the potential to become an incredibly valuable and dangerous person in your field. And you may have noticed that I said reprogram there, right? This was intentional uh, because I believe that from a young age through experience or maybe the way that you were raised, we've all been programmed to feel that adversity and challenges are uncomfortable. Perhaps this is through school where, you know, if you make mistakes, you get a bad grade that's perceived as negative and you're seen as dumb. But making mistakes is one of the best ways to learn something. If you mess up, it's really hard to forget that mess up, isn't it? Especially if the consequences are bad. That's an incredibly powerful teacher, probably the most powerful teacher, honestly. But I think whether intentionally or unintentionally, school teaches you to stay in our comfort zones, don't make mistakes, and aim for perfection. Perfection being a, a grade in this example. But that's not where growth happens. That's not where improvement happens. So I encourage you to, in whatever way that you can, try to reframe the way that you think about getting out of your comfort zone and reframe the way that you think about failure and mistakes because I think these are some of the best teachers and some of the best ways to improve. And when you meet that adversity, when you meet that challenge or that failure, that mistake, don't run from it. Meet it head on and figure out what you can learn from that situation or that experience. Because an average person, when they meet that kind of adversity, they'll quit, they'll give up, and they'll try something different. But if you can stick with that and learn something from that mistake, that is how you become world-class at something, is that you don't give up, you don't quit, and you continue to fight even after you make mistake after mistake after mistake. Most people will glorify the people who you know, have had incredible achievements, but they never see all the mistakes that they had to make to get to that point. It's the same kind of situation that happens with social media where people glorify their entire life and they only see the good side, but nobody posts when something goes bad. They work through it quietly and then they go on to do better things because they learn from those mistakes. And that's not to say that you won't have the urge to naturally quit, because I do think it's there. Like if you're not good at something right away, the first instinct, boom, is to quit. But unfortunately, something that I've been learning is that most things that will make you a lot of money or make you very successful in life either take a large amount of creativity or uniqueness, or they require a lot of time. And I think that's an important skill to learn because it's incredibly uncommon, especially in this generation of instant gratification. And I think inevitably, even though it happens quite frequently, most people don't realize that hitting a plateau is inevitable. Hitting a sort of slowing of growth is inevitable. And this is usually also where most people quit if they didn't quit at the first mistake or failure. And even more so, if they don't end up quitting, then they begin to lose interest or lose obsession in whatever they were trying to improve at at the beginning. So if they haven't quit, then you'll start to see more and more of them remaining in the comfort zone. Perhaps the negative feelings of failure stop them from continuing to want to go back to that place. Which I'm not saying that I blame those type of people. It's difficult. It's hard to smile in the face of failure and realize that it's a learning experience more than a slap in the face. But in the real world, what this would look like is, in sports it would look like playing with competition that you know you're better than, and you don't have to challenge yourself to play against that type of competition. In music or playing an instrument, I'll use as an example, it's repeatedly playing the same songs that you know that you're good at, and not trying to expand your horizons per se, or get better, play harder songs so that you have to really challenge yourself to learn to play that. So if you wanna talk about average or most people, 
most people are either going to one, quit, or two, become complacent or stay in their comfort zones. So if you can train yourself or learn the skills that it takes to not do that, you know, maybe it's a mindset shift, maybe it's, you know, trained practice at not quitting right away, you immediately start to become above average. And you start to find that you're better than most people at whatever it is you're trying to do. And that's because you smiled in the face of adversity. You smiled in the face of maybe a temporary defeat and you learned and grew from it. And as you start to become better and improve and learn from these experiences, you put that time in, you start putting in those hours, working your way up to that 10,000 hours, you increase your value. Again, with the average thing, most people will try to increase their income without increasing their value. But doesn't it make sense that if you want to increase your income, you should increase your value as well? And if you're able to increase your valuable noticeably, then you'll probably find that you're the type of person that they're going to look for when it comes to getting a raise or getting that promotion. Or if you're on the entrepreneurial side, that's the type of thing that will drive people to your business. Most people are looking for what can somebody do for me? And if you're a person who brings a lot of value to the quote me in this situation, then you're the type of person that's going to get chosen and you're the type of a person that's going to get rewarded for that value. It also essentially makes you irreplaceable because if you do something or you're good enough at something that nobody else can recreate it because they haven't put that time in, you become the one of one. You become the type of person that they can't afford to lose and they can't replace you with somebody else. But of course, when you get to this point, you have to remain hungry because if somebody is also willing to put in the time, then your head start might start to shrink a little bit if you're not working hard. But here's another thing to think about that I don't think most people do. I do think that some people have a natural affinity for certain activities, you know, like LeBron, for example. Everyone has said, oh, he's so talented, he's gifted, you know, he's the chosen one. But less people have said that it's because he's worked hard. I guess he has natural talent that helped him a lot and he's a big guy, so that helps on the court. But he's not the only 6'9", 250-pound guy out there. He worked hard. You don't get to where he is in his career without working hard. And a lot of people, most people in fact, haven't made it as far as LeBron has. He burst onto the scene in high school, but what about before that? How many hours of dedication and hard work went in before he was on that grand stage? I mean, he was playing basketball from the time, you know, he could probably walk. (laughs) How good can you get at something in 18 years? But he was focused, obsessed, and put the work in to become a great And even outside of something like basketball, I think the real talent that anyone who's successful in their field has is the ability to obsessively improve at their craft. LeBron, Michael Jordan, Kobe, Will Smith, anyone who is world-class. It's not the natural talent that carried them. It's their ability to work hard at what they do, go outside of their comfort zone to improve. They're not average because the average person quits and gives up don't be average. So for all my sequential step-by-step chronological people I talked about earlier, step one, focus on one thing. Step two, reprogram how you feel about mistakes and failure. Three, get out of your comfort zone. And four, don't quit or become complacent. Stay persistent in what you're trying to do. And I think that's why I made this podcast is I love learning about people and sharing ideas and learning more about this crazy life that we live in. And I believe that I can become world-class at it. I think that I can start to produce even more and more high-quality content 
to the point where I'm obsessed at becoming the best at it. And I believe that if I continue down this path, I will succeed in that. And some amazing things are going to be in store when I do. And I can't express how honored, lucky, excited I am to have you all there with me going through it. The highs, the lows, the whatever, I'm excited to have you guys there with me. So thank you. The support and the interactions, they actually mean the world to me. It's so awesome to be able to do this. But in a not so smooth transition out of all that sappy stuff, (laughs) here's the weekly takeaway. This week's weekly takeaway is that you don't have to be talented at what you want to be world-class at. You just have to be driven to be world-class. And don't feel like that's out of reach for you. Don't limit yourself in that way and know that if you want to be the best in the world at something, you are going to be your own biggest adversary. You're going to be your biggest competition. And if you can believe the simple fact that other people's limitations don't exist in your world, then you can be the next great fill in the blank with whatever you want to be great at. But that is going to do it for this episode. I thank you for listening all the way through. I hope you have a great day. I hope you found something that you can add to your life or to the life of somebody around you. Please share this episode so other people can hear. You guys can be great together like me and my boy, Steph. You know we're building here. You already know. A community. And we are making it something great. So I thank you. I appreciate you. This has been Will with Thoughts That Count. I'll see you next time.